do you have a messy family history? Are there some skeletons in your genealogy that don't get talked about at your holiday gatherings? Maybe you are the messy member in your family? Uh, if so, you might have more in common with Jesus than you realize. Today is our first uh, week, uh, well, our second week of Advent, but our first uh, Christmas story, right, from the birth narrative of Jesus. Uh, so this is an Advent sermon, and our scripture readings from Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. Um, at first glance, it's a super, super boring genealogy. But, but stick with me, because there are some really, really good things to see in this genealogy this Christmas. There's something here that's meaningful for us, uh, for all of us, and for our understanding of, of family and what it would mean to be part of God's family. Uh, so listen along as I read. This is verse one, an account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac and Isaac, the father of Jacob and Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers and Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar and Perez, the father of Hezron and Hezron, the father of Aram and Aram, the father of Aminadab and Aminadab, the father of Nashan, and Nashan, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. And Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asaph, and Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, and Joram, the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah, the father of Jotham, and Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Salathiel, and Salathiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiad, and Abiad the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliad, and Eliad the father of Eleazar. And Eleazar, the father of Mathan, and Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who was called the Messiah. In verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. Okay, so this is a bit of a head-scratcher. A genealogy, maybe this is important to the first readers, but what does this mean to us today? This is the part we, we skip over to get to the good stuff. But, but let's not skip over it today. Matthew wanted this in his gospel. These gospels could only fit about so much on a scroll, maybe 20 pages of material today. And he puts this in. Every, every word matters. There's, there's a reason for it. And if, if we confess that this text is in some way 
a God-breathed word for us. And that means God wants us to see this too. Genealogies were huge for the Israelites and they were especially important for, for royalty. Uh, for most kingdoms, even today, genealogies are a big, big deal. You wanna show that you come from royal blood and a, a pure ethnic line, right? So the Israelite king should be a super Israelite, just like your British king should be really British and your, your French king should be really French. So you want that, that, that national line. You also want a very proud, accomplished genealogy. You wanna highlight that you are connected to great leaders of the past. And, right, so you wanna lift that up. If there's some shady parts of your genealogy, you wanna play that down or, or you wanna skip over it. You wanna hope people forget or, or don't know about it. We, we might do the same thing in our family, right? If you have a, a famous family member, you, you tell everyone about it. If you have an infamous family member, you hope no one finds out. It's also important to note that ancient Israelite and most ancient genealogies are overwhelmingly male. So when you look at these genealogies, you'll see son of, son of, son of. There are some matriarchs of Israel, people like Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel and Leah. These are the main women who might get listed because they're responsible for 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, so that's some background information about usual genealogies to, to help us understand what's going on here because Jesus's genealogy is not usual. It's unusual and it's surprisingly messy. It should be male it should be super Israelite. It should be super focused on great kings that point us to the great Messiah, King Jesus, right? Like great king, great king, great king, great king Jesus. Well, it starts off Abraham and David leads off. So that's so far so good. These are big names. But then quickly in the first section of the genealogy, we see Tamar and then Rahab and then Ruth and then the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So we're looking for a male, kingly, ethnically pure genealogy to support our great king. Tamar is a Canaanite. Rahab is a Jerichoite. Ruth is a Moabite. And Bathsheba is at least married into the Hittite family. None of them have that Jewish identity we're looking for. And none of them are royal famous women. Sarah is Abraham's wife. Rebecca is Isaac's wife. Rachel and Leah are Jacob's wives. These are the four matriarchs. Matthew skips them and gives us four different women, four different matriarchs that come into the line of Jesus, that make up the line of Jesus. And they're matriarchs with messy, messy lives. Tamar has two husbands die. She's mistreated by her second husband as well as her father-in-law Judah. Her son is born by a way of a sexual relationship with her father-in-law Judah. Rahab is a prostitute who helps out some Israelite spies when they enter the promised land. Ruth is a Moabite. The Moabites came into existence through an incest relationship between Abraham's nephew Lot and his daughters. And finally, Bathsheba becomes the wife of David and mother of Solomon through an affair and David's murder of her husband Uriah. It is messy. Now, each of their stories also includes beautiful acts of faith but it, it's certainly a messy genealogy. The second section of the genealogy ends by noting the, the deportation to Babylon. 
It says, oh yeah, and then our kingdom failed and we were all conquered and enslaved by Babylon. And then the third paragraph ends with two people named Mary and Joseph. They're famous now, but they were nobodies then. It ends with a couple of Israelites in Northern Israel, away from the capital, Jerusalem. Galilee is more of Gentile land and under the Roman Empire and the, the current son of the, the current Jewish king is Herod, who's not mentioned. And Matthew lays all this messiness out for us to see. He says, here's the Genesis. Here's the beginning of Jesus, the Messiah. Here's Jesus, the anointed Lord. And it's not a great king line of just great Israelite men in the list of their accomplishments. We see that men and women make up the Jesus family and some women are really highlighted. Some of these men and women do have great faith. Some are big sinners. Many are both showing great faith at times and sometimes committing evil deeds. We find great triumphs and disappointing failures. We find free people and slaves. We find all kinds of people. I think we find you and me. This is a genealogy for every single one of us because Jesus is for every longing heart. If your name was added to the tree, it would fit. You have a place in the Jesus family tree. I think that's what this list is trying to show us. Jesus has all sorts of messy people, just like you and me in his family history. And he has super faithful history people, like people like you and me sometimes too. And Jesus comes right into the mess. He comes right out of a family mess, just like you and me. And it's Jew and Gentile and male and female and slave and free and sinner, saint, winners and losers. Jesus is going to bring it all together in his family. So do you today need to have a specific ethnic background to be in Jesus' family? No. Do you have a leg up if you're a special nationality? No. Must you be a man to really count in his family? No. Do you have to be free? No. Do you have to be a winner? Do you have to be perfect? No, no, no. Are sinners and failures and outcasts and those shamed by society welcome to be part of his family? Yes, yes, yes. Now, now one final thought. A, a, a commentator on this passage, a Catholic scholar named Raymond Brown, he noted that Jesus' genealogy is the last genealogy we see in the Bible. There are more than 20 genealogy lists in the Old Testament books before Jesus. They were essential. It was essential to know your family history and to know you came from the Israelites. This family identity and national identity and tribal identity was so, so essential to the people of Israel as it is to so many people today, right? We say, I'm a man, I'm, I'm a Murray, I'm an American, right? But this Jesus genealogy is the last genealogy because this Jesus family is the ultimate, final, fulfilling family. It's the family of families and it supersedes every other family, ethnic, tribal, national, and gender. The early church came to believe this. And you can see this in, in other letters in the New Testament after, after, after Jesus comes, this early church, right? The followers of Jesus, they find a new identity in that family of God. They believe that. They believe that in and with Jesus, we are sons and daughters of God the Father. Our true Father is God. We are in his line, right? And in Jesus, we are all sisters and brothers of Jesus and one another in Jesus. So there's no son of, son of, son of, son of anymore. The genealogy ends. It's child of God, 
with Christ our brother. And in Jesus and like Jesus, we too are people reborn from the spirit of God. So we might all have some messes in our biological family. And we might be a big part of that mess. But we can know that Jesus is familiar with that mess and he welcomes you into his family. Jesus invites us to be with him and trust him. And when we follow him, we are part of his family. When you commit to Jesus and receive his grace towards you, your new identity is sibling of Christ, the God with us, the Messiah, the Lord. And through him, you are son or daughter of God, the father, and miraculously like him. And through him, you too are born of his spirit. Imagine what would happen this Advent season if you fully believed that and lived that identity. Not that you don't love your biological family, but that you see that with the coming of Jesus into the world, you find your ultimate family and your truest identity. You brother of Jesus, you sister of Jesus, you child of God, you born of the Spirit. Imagine you lived with that identity locked in. What would it mean to you, to know you perfectly belonged in the family of God? What would change for you? What would be different if you truly lived as a Holy Spirit-born sibling of Christ, 